Hi, it's Marco here. Just before we get started with this episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is available on our YouTube channel as a video podcast as well. So you can see not only myself and Tarek, but this week's brilliant guest. So head on over there. We've put a link in the podcast description and you can watch this episode as well as listen to it. So why not do that and uh, give us a follow while you're there? That would be great. But now we'll get straight into the episode. Hi and welcome to episode 137 of Page One, the Writers Podcast. I'm Marco. I'm Tarek. And thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing journeys, find out how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible. And this is another in a special series of episodes where we're speaking to people behind the scenes working in the publishing industry to try and find out how your book gets turned from that manuscript into that best-selling book into even possibly a Hollywood movie. We've spoken to some brilliant agents, so if you've missed those episodes, please do go back and check those. Uh, we've spoken to some editors, and today we've got another brilliant commissioning editor. Yeah, we're chatting with Karen Sullivan, who has had a long history in the publishing side of things, and she started up Arenda Books uh, a number of years ago, and that's been a real kind of indie darling of a, of, of a publisher. Stuff like Will Carver's novels, Helen Fitzgerald, some really good gritty crime novels and, and and comedy stuff you don't really get elsewhere, to be honest. Yeah, I think, you know, that slightly smaller publishing house has more independence in terms of the totally. types of stories that they try to pick yeah, up. And we speak absolutely. to Karen about that and about, you know, what she's looking for from agents and the types of stories she's looking for. So hopefully it's of interest to you and useful as you follow your journey with your manuscript. We'll get straight into the interview with Karen now. So on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. 
So normally when we have an author on, I'll say, did you always want to be a writer? But did you always want to work in publishing? I actually always wanted to be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a writer, actually. I was, I was, a, I, I worked in publishing for, from, as my very first job proper job um, and then I left to become a freelance editor and writer and I wrote non-fiction um, for years and years and years before I decided to sort of rejoin the publishing side of things um, but I wrote books about raising children and discipline and emotional health and nutrition and it's actually set me in very good stead with a, a stable of authors who don't always behave. And when you, so I mean, how did you get into publishing? What was the first steps? So at the very that? beginning, I mean, I knew, I, I mean, as a child, I remember reading a book where someone's job was reading the slush pile. And I thought, that's, that's a job, reading? <laughs> so I thought, because uh, I was a total bookworm. And I, I, I had an idea that I wanted to work in publishing. And I, I, it was tough to get into. I went for a couple of PR jobs very early on at Biggs in this country. I should say I'm from Canada um, and I was traveling around the world and sort of got stuck here. Um, but I, I decided that I wanted to work in publishing here because it was far more vibrant than the Canadian publishing scene. Um, and the PR jobs, I didn't get any of those, um, probably because I knew nothing about British media. <laughs> but um, I did get my first job was secretary to the editorial director of an independent publishing company. And that was that was quite a baptism by fire, really. It was in the olden days um, where um, I won't say what company it was or anything else. <laughs> We had a few Me Too moments. Um, but <laughs> one good thing is that uh, in those days, the, the, the editorial directors and publishers were off whining and dining authors all the time. So I was very soon tasked with doing the figures for, you know, the publishing schedule and quite a lot of high level stuff. So I learned a lot. Um, and I soon sort of graduated up to being an assistant editor and then a commissioning editor before I, I left to be go, become freelance. And is, is the publishing industry somewhere where you really do need to start at the bottom and work your way up? Is that kind of the usual way in? I think so. I, I, I think you do, actually. There's a lot to learn, um, particularly on the editing side of thing. I mean, I was I had to take a course on editing and proofreading um quite a long course too and then i was sh i had to shadow a proofreader and then shadow an editor for a long time before i was allowed to do anything on my own um I, i'm not sure that all companies adhere to those strict editorial standards these days but i that's how i learned um and i would expect the same for anyone that worked for us for example i think the editing is critical um you want readers to to get as perfect a book as they can mm -hmm. um but yeah definitely start at the bottom in a small company you actually learn all sorts of different jobs you know I was always helping out in publicity and in marketing and the, uh, the editorial side of things you know and fixing a fixing a photocopier the next minute um but it but it's a good way to learn and and there is a lot to learn and it's really worth knowing all there is to know about publishing and and so when when you get to the stage of actually starting to get to commission books and things like that, um, how, how do you, you know, what is what is the what is the process that you're going through there? Are, because presumably sometimes you'll be sent stuff that is a good story, it's well written, but for whatever reason it, it doesn't quite fit at that time, so it won't be picked up. So 
how how do you go through that process so it will be different for every publisher because every publisher and every imprint of a publisher will have a very sort of specific criteria for their list so <clears throat> some of them are looking for things like crime fiction series for example mm. or you know really um higher brow literary fiction here at aranda books i'm looking for something i mean i love debuts i love really um i love fresh voices i love authors that are doing something different with the genre pushing it in new directions i like i like books that maybe buck the trend a bit um books that people are going to remember um a lot of big publishers will be doing the opposite they'll be sort of jumping onto trends because they know that they're going to sell but i always feel that those kind of books have a, a shorter shelf life mm-hmm. and you're much better off i mean it might zip up the bestseller list for a short period of time but it's soon replaced by something else whereas i'd rather publish the kind of books that people are going to continue talking about and continue recommending for years to come mm-hmm. um so yeah it depends it, it it depends every company will be different but but i think if if you're an aspiring author, you need to look very closely at what is being published by that publisher, um, what they're announcing as coming up, because that will give an indication of any changes in their in their focus, any ways that the list is changing. Um, um, and don't waste your time sending science fiction novels or fantasy to a publisher that does straight literary fiction. Yeah. You really that's one of the most important things. And you will know this, all authors have to do. They, it's part of the job. It's part of the task of becoming published. It's You have to research everything from who are the, the agents that are most likely to be interested in with the kind of books that you're writing and who are the publishers who will be interested not just in publishing your book, but be able to take you and your book or your series, your future, um, into the future. Yeah. And, and so... You know the, the the submissions that you get. Uh, I'm assuming they're they're largely from agents, but I th- am I right in saying you also get some unsolicited? Stuff yeah, as well? we do. So we get we get we only open our submissions for short periods every year because there tends to be a bit of a deluge. <laughs> a lot of them are so half of our list is in translation, so that's kind of taken over by international agents and people that I've come across at festivals and and been interested in publishing what they do. But in terms of the English stuff. Um, yeah, I would say maybe half of our authors came to us unagented. A lot of them have agents now. Um, but from our point of view, it doesn't make any difference because we have complete parody at Aranda Books. So everyone gets the same advance regardless of previous success or provenance. Um, and so having an agent doesn't mean that you're going to get a better deal because you're not. Okay. Um, so it's, you know, I, sometimes I've had authors who are unagented getting things checked at the Society of Authors. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Nothing's changing. This is, <laughs> this is it. And, and w- when you're getting this stuff in, how do you decide what's right for you and for like a round of books? You know, is it the, what, what do you take into account? What, consider, what considerations, how much weight do you give to the letter or the sample chapters and all that sort of stuff? The letter is really important. The letter, I mean, that's what we see first. And that often indicates whether or not we want to read very much further. So let's start there. So the email or the letter. This is the author's introduction to us. And as I, I, I can't reiterate this more, and I say this everywhere I go, we publish people as well as books. Mm. 
So we need to know about you. Can we work with you? Can we market you? Do you sound like someone who's going to be easy to work with, bring something to the team, bring something to the list, promote your book. So talk about yourself. Like that's when someone does talk about themselves, we're really interested in that. The other thing is a, a short, short sort of blurb style description of the book. A lot of publishers are really keen on comparison authors. And I would say that's that's good to, to, to position something in the market. So you could say something like, my book's a bit like Welcome to Cooper, but, <laughs> but with this protagonist kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, the things that put me off the most are like J.K. Rowling, but better. Or, <laughs> which you might that's laugh. A bold, that's a bold uh, yeah. statement to me. And going bold does not help. Really, it doesn't help. The other thing that people do is say, I, I, I write like, let's say, Johanna Gustafsson. And I think, well, why are you why are you sending your book to me? I've already published her, right? <laughs> That's not the right approach either. So, so I think what you want to do is position it in a, in a very gentle way, just to give a, an indication roughly of what we're looking at here and a very short summary. So like, like there is on the back of a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and that's going to probably tempt me to look. Um, if again, make sure that it's, you know, I think flatter us, <laughs> that always helps. I think if you, if you say I read this book and I really loved it because it looks like you're interested and it looks mm-hmm. like you know who you're talking to don't start your 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 email with dear sirs because i'm am not a sir probably never will be um and that's just insulting you know there's things like that that matter so when we when we open it so if if it looks like something that we're never going to publish we will instantly say we're never going to publish this in a very polite way um and then if it's something that has promise. I mean, there's always a little internal discussion. So we have Liz, who is our submissions reader, mm-hmm. and she's the first port of call. She has never made a mistake. She always, always knows what we like. So she reads them all first, all of them. And then every week she gives a little update. And on, she maybe gets through 10 or 12 a week. And she, there are lots of maybes. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of yeses, and then there's quite usually quite a lot of no's. And the no's can be for the simple reason that it's too similar to something we publish already, whether it's in style or or a subject, um, or it could be not a good book. <laughs> um, but she is very good at that point at saying, there's something about this book. I don't know what it is. I like it. So mm-hmm. we'll look then. So there's Wes Camel is my editorial director and we, there's only, so Liz just works part-time. Um, so there are only three of us that work for Renda Books full-time and that's me and Wes Camel, my editor and um, Cole, who is my son, who's worked for us for about eight years now. He does all of our digital marketing and all of our promotions and international sales and stuff. Anyway, West Camel and I will then go back and forth, read bits. And what will catch my eye is any number of things. Sometimes the writing is glorious, but the plot is hopeless. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, actually, there's something here, right? Like, we, I think we can fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth it because that writing is so special. Yeah. Or else we'll have a story that is just amazing. And we think, okay, this writing needs 
you know, some help, uh, quite a lot of help, but we can fit, we can work with the author. So we have, I'll, I'll tell you a good story later about, it's a cautionary tale with a happy ending. Um, <laughs> we, we will, we will work with an author sometimes to, to mold the book and teach an author their craft effectively, because I think someone who's really clever with plotting and can come up with something sophisticated and original and characters that are memorable but can't quite put the pieces together that's something we can fix too Mm -hmm. sometimes books just blow us out of the water like like I I heard you know Matt Veselovsky don't you he writes the six stories series so he he pitched his book at Pitch Perfect at Bloody Scotland. And instantly I knew that was something I, I hadn't seen a word of it, but it's told in a podcast format by, you know, an elusive online journalist who is investigating cold cases. And I thought, yes, I, like, I just love the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was compelling. And yeah, he, for sure, when he was learning, he needed a ton of work because um, he kept, we had to keep to wrenching him back from, from the horror genre into, into a nice little blend of both. Um, but he's so creative such a brilliant writer and so it can be a package right it's 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 a lot of different things I think bigger publishers might look for something that's more fully formed Um, but a small publisher can take risks in a way that a big publisher wouldn't but are are you getting what you're what you're speaking about there I'm guessing is the is more the sort of unagent unsolicited submission Kind of well, thing. not always. Or, or is it? Or is it the same with the stuff that you get from agents as well? Sometimes. Or is that more polished? Generally? Not always. Not okay. all agents are hands-on editors. Um, a lot, some of them just have a great eye, and I and I would I would definitely look at something they sent me because I know that they have maybe similar taste to me or really know me and what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not all agents are. You know, I'm sometimes surprised at the quality of agented submissions and similarly we can get some beautifully polished unagented uh books so so once you've got no i I was just going to say so i mean just in terms of people that are watching this video or or listening to it in terms of your unagented uh windows is that like once a year or a couple usually twice a year right um so i think we should have another one coming up in november right um and and we do sort of announce it on our social media platforms um, and on the website, of course. <laughs> but we do get people checking in frequently. And sometimes we give in and say, oh, just send it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if somebody's been really, you know, missed the window by a minute or, you know, kind yeah, of thing. Or yeah. else has, has shown, like, huge interest. Um, of course, we can break the rules occasionally. Um, so, so once you've... Once you've taken the book on and, you know, as you see, you've you've maybe done some work on it, you've kind of got it to the kind of polished state that you think is ready to go. Well, I mean, I suppose the first question is, how do you know when a book is ready to go out? And what's the process at that point? Well, I mean, I, I think it's hard for authors because, you know, they probably wonder why anybody bought their books sometimes. Because <laughs> every at every stage, there's more changes, more ideas, you know, come into it. So generally speaking, what will happen is I will do the structural edit. So I will work with the author, usually several drafts to get, you know, the whole plot the the structure the characters everything working the way it would you know um any inconsistencies ironed out you know continuity all of that should be should be as perfect as it can be and and 
you know, sometimes that can be, and I'm not exaggerating, 20 drafts before um, before I'm, we're completely happy with it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think authors forget that they're writing for readers. If do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Like they they they've had this this book in their head in their heart for so long, um, and they they can people can be quite protective and mm-hmm. and not really remember that ultimately this is you've got to hand it over now, and yeah. this is for someone else to read, and things that are crystal clear to you might not be to the reader, um, you know. So we'll be adding depth and explanations, and you know we're not not dumb dumbing down in any way but you know making it something that a reader will enjoy and and sort of remember and and feel positive about um and then it will go to Wes Kemmel my editor and he will do a copy edit and he will also usually pick up something that isn't working that that I that I'm satisfied with but he's not <laughs> so that can take another back and forth um you know again it can take quite a few drafts and then when everybody's happy um and that sometimes does mean concessions because sometimes I'm aware that we've pushed an author as far as it's possible um and and you know we're not getting anymore (laughs) that's it um but that's fine that's fine and once we're really really happy with it then we'll proof it and off we go (laughs) and and in terms of uh, at that stage, the, presumably then there's a there's a process in terms of the sort of marketing side of the book, the the blurb, the cover, all of that stuff. Yeah, so that um, usually happens a little earlier. Right. Okay. So the jackets. So I'm commissioning jackets with from our designer. He's freelance, but he does all of our books. Um, and he, the I'm commissioning jackets for next June now. Um, so and we're still some of those books haven't even really hit the editing suite. Um, I think we we've, we're finishing off. Oh, it's kind of a kind of a mess, but every every author was late this year. I just can't believe it. <laughs> it's like oh my god, my schedule is a complete mess. This has never happened before. So we have to sell in a year in advance um, to for export and to to give re- retailers a heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, the big retailers and independents and that kind of thing. The bookseller has a bookseller guide that's about nine months in advance. So we have to have a pretty clear idea of of where we're going with the book because we've got to write a, a sort of a mini bit of text for all of them. A lot of them will have jackets um, by then, so nine months. Um, so before sometimes we've even cracked the editing, um, we've got a jacket and the author is absolutely involved in that process. Um, ultimately the final decision goes to the sales team. Um, and our sales are looked after by Simon and Schuster and we have to, we have to go with their final choice. I mean, we've rebelled a, a few times and sometimes they want us to be com- more commercial than maybe we want to be. Um, I, I sort of point out that we're like the cool indie record label kind of up their, <laughs> up their brand, but they don't always buy that. Um, so, so yeah, so we, I mean, we have, so that can take a while to get that. Sometimes they'll show them to Waterstones and, and doing that and getting their approval means that we get more support, which is important. Um, and the blurb is written, well, I've written the blurbs all the way up to the end of June next year. So again, that's quite a long way in advance. Um, and I write the blurbs, but I will run them past the author again, who can usually add something or, or 
you know, veto something. Um, but usually everyone's happy with that. And marketing, marketing ideas usually come like at a really inconvenient time, like when I'm in a bath and have no pencil. Um, <laughs> but but my, my kitchen is full of post-its all over the place. Because again, you know, I've, I've got a, like a wooden spoon in my hand, just thinking, oh my God, that's perfect. Um, <laughs> so yeah, these are, these are strikes of inspiration. Um, and our, our strategy usually kicks in. We start doing teasers about four months before. Usually we have something when we sign it and announce in, in like the bookseller and on social media and then about three or four months before we'll we'll start doing teasers um on social media and stuff to encourage pre-orders and things like that but yeah the marketing marketing is fun I love that um that's got to be some of the best and, and is, is that presumably for different books different authors you'll have a different strategy that totally you might different. think will work Yes, totally. I mean, there's some things that stay the same. I mean, we, we always do a really big month-long blog tour. Hmm. <laughs> that's important um, just to get that buzz going. That's important for people to talk about your book, mm-hmm. but also to have visual recognition. So if you've on social media, on any of our platforms, you will see the same jacket going past over and over and over um, with different words and different people's um, recommendations for a whole month. So when you walk into a bookshop, it's going to look familiar. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really part of it. Um, you know, if you're flicking through online on one of the online retailers, book retailers, same thing. You'll think, oh, I've seen that. Um, and that's so that's part of it. Yeah, we do. We do um facebook ads we do amazon ads i should say that super quietly but they're (laughs) they're they're driven towards ebook sales more than than print sales we do things like bookmarks and postcards that go out to the retailers we did um for will carver's psychopaths anonymous we did t-shirts that said psychopaths anonymous join the club um, and they went out to retailers. We also sold so many of them from our website. Um, it's amazing how many people want to join the company. <laughs> and, and, and once the book's out and, and the marketing, obviously the, the, the hope is that it sells well and it's a big, massive uh, success, et cetera. But how do you judge the success of a book? You know, Is it a purely about earning up the advance or would a book with poor sales but a good kind of critical acclaim, would that count as a win? Yeah. It depends on who you're talking to, right? <laughs> the guy who pays the bills has a different idea than I do. I, I feel very strongly that if I believe in an author and take them on, then I'm going to stick with that. And it can take lots of books before an author gets where I want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so sales are important, obviously, but sometimes it takes longer and I'm fully aware of that. And it's really... It's really that strategy has paid off in a lot of ways. I mean, a good example of that is Doug Johnston. Mm -hmm. So we published two of his standalone books. He was published by Faber before he moved to us. And um, they sold really well. They were shortlisted. One of them was shortlisted for the McIlvany. um, And I think a hair's breadth from winning. Um, And congratulations to you, Tarek. Um, (laughs) uh, And and critical acclaim, absolutely. Tons Mm -hmm. of review coverage. Um, uh, But then he wrote the Scalp series. So, which is, you know, as you know, it's three generations of women in one family running the family funeral directors and um, private investigators. And I don't know this, he's found his voice, right? Mm-hmm. The first one was yeah. the most borrowed book in Edinburgh libraries. I mean, oh, it's, wow. just, it's just gone from strength to strength. People are calling this, themselves scalpaholics. And 
it's just joy. I'm so glad, you know, that I didn't, you know, stick with worry about, okay, critical acclaim, but not enough sales kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's just, it's, it's my belief in him. My investment in him has totally paid off. Um, So, yeah, I think critical acclaim, that's hard to get to because we have incredible books that are published at very busy times of the year. Um, And if they don't get review coverage in the mainstream press, it's not because they're not great books and absolutely worthy of it. It's because the big publishers, big books are generally getting most of the coverage. And the reason is not because they're better books, but because often they are advertising. Um, And we know what newspapers and magazines need right now is is income so so yeah I mean sometimes we get a glut of reviews um and a glut of sales and and this is the most unpredictable business in the entire world um you can have everything the whole package and nothing happens you know and we market it our you know as hard as we can do everything right but we just don't get that edge and then suddenly two years later it flies and you Mm -hmm. just well, what happened there? But we don't give up. So after publication, it doesn't mean we've stopped. We we advertise continually. We we keep on promoting. We keep you know doing giveaways for these big books. We do book bubs um, so that we get tons of of digital readers. And you know people say, oh, I want to sell real books, not you know eBooks. Well, I don't feel that way. I feel like a book is a book, and if people are reading your books, they're going to recommend them. They're going to talk about them, and that's what you want. And do you think that whole approach that you just described there is something that Arenda has a bit of a, almost an advantage in a way in terms of the support that they can give their authors in a way that a big publisher maybe doesn't because they're so focused on the figures and the and the income, I'm guessing? Yes, yes, absolutely. And people get dropped halfway through a two-book deal mm-hmm. because sales didn't live up to expectations. And sometimes, you know... As I said, it's, it's, you know, we're dealing with human behavior here. It's not a predictable quantity. Mm-hmm. So I think very good books have, have sort of been cast aside and authors um, for no good reason. I, you know, I definitely would have stuck with some of those authors. And I suppose it's quite nice because knowing that you've got an author who may take three, four, five, six books to break through for whatever reason, I guess knowing that, that they will break through at some point, all it means is that you've got more books of their back catalogue suddenly available to everyone and and, that, and they must lead to spikes in their older books, etc. Oh, absolutely it does. And I really feel like it gives the authors some security too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so they, they're, I mean, I really, my authors are writing their best books. You know, they're, they're enjoying writing. They're not writing to what they perceive to be the new trend or something that they think a publisher is going to like. I mean, I often don't even know what they're writing until they deliver it. Um, and, and that's exciting for me. You know, I yeah. kind of want to do that for the reader too. Like look what Will Carver did next. Um, you know, it's, it's fun. Um, and, and they are, they, because they're more relaxed, I think their writing is more powerful and, and confident and mm-hmm. they're taking risks with their writing, mm-hmm. which I think again is going to attract critical attention and ultimately that all important word of mouth thing. Yeah. And, and, and just linked to that, I suppose is, you know, you said there that you're not even sure sometimes what the authors are what the authors are working on. I mean, do they have discussions with you either directly or via their agent or whatever in terms of like I've got these ideas, what one 
do you want me to focus on? Usually they have a pretty good idea about what they're doing. Sometimes we've moved ideas around. Like we were going to publish Psychopaths Anonymous before we were going to publish the Beresford in Will Carver's sort of canon. Um, Because when I was writing my early advanced copy for the retailers, as I was saying, the export and stuff, I kept saying, but what's the hook to this book? Mm. Um, And he couldn't couldn't give me one. So we shuffled them around and he did the other one. And then when the time came for me to do Psychopaths Anonymous the second time, I said, so I still don't get it. What's the hook? And um, it turns out there wasn't one. And it was one of our best selling <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> and I mean, is that it, it, we've talked to a lot, a lot of folk about it in the past in the publishing world who, who quite like their authors to kind of be in a box or be in a marketable genre, yeah. you know, to be like you're a procedural crime man or you're a fantasy woman, etc. So, like, is that it's, I get the impression that's not something which you're too bothered about. I'm not bothered about it. I mean, there are disadvantages to that. So so we have an author, Louise Beach, who has written in virtually every genre there is. <laughs> you know, she's written historical fiction. She's written a gay love story. She's written psychological thrillers, straight women's fiction, you know, straight literary fiction. And, that, that, you know, we've seen a gradual growing of her following with every book she writes, regardless of the genre. But I don't think it's made easy for her. So when, a, you know, you go into a bookshop and you think, oh, I love that author. Her books are never together. Yeah. yeah. You're never going to be picking up, oh, it's a, there's a new Louise Beach because you'd have to go to six different parts of the bookshop. Yeah. So there is that. And there are there are people who sort of buy into to a single, you know, there are, as we know, of the people who say they won't read anything else but this specific genre. Yeah. Um, hopefully not our readers. Um, because I, I I think that's part of the joy of doing this. It's it's you know, we're surprising people. You know, a lot of our readers have never read translated fiction before they picked up some of ours. And I deliberately didn't market some of the early stuff as translated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we put the translator's name on the back and everything else. But we got one of them, um, Agnes Rabatten's The Bird Tribunal, into a big, huge um a WH Smith Fresh Talent promotion, and they took, you know, maybe 10,000 copies, all of which were wow. sold. But I didn't bother to tell them it was like Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, obviously, when you pick it up and look at it, it's clearly. But, yeah. but I think sometimes you have to bring people on board through the back door. Yeah. And and with, with authors like Doug Johnson that have had, you know, they, they've been published elsewhere and then they come to Arenda later on. Um, are you... Is it, is it almost a reinvention at that point? Are you trying to, in the same sort of way that you just described there, trying to sort of relaunch them as a new thing at, at that point? Yeah, so we'll rebrand them <laughs> completely. So, and start again. And I always say it's going to take two books because retailers are oh, frustratingly hung up on the previous sales. Yeah. Now, I kind of feel like every author has a bad book whether it's in a series or whether it's a standalone, there are some books that just don't seem to sell for the reasons that we discussed earlier. You cannot base sales for a, for a, a book that ticks every box otherwise on the last book. But unfortunately that's exactly what they do. So we, so I always say we've got to show them how good it is, you know, get that, get the buzz going, get lots of reviews, get lots of attention. And then, then they'll they'll sort of buy in slowly and then the second book they'll buy in a little more by the third we've usually you know won them round 
Um, but it, but it, 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 it's a frustrating industry from that point of view. A lot of sell into retailers is also based on review coverage. And mm -hmm. that, you know, as we just said, can be hard to get, even if it's an amazing book. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we start again. We start all over again. And, and uh, uh, what uh, books, uh, you know, when you're looking for new manuscripts, when you're opening a, a submission window or something like that, do you have in your mind certain types of books that you're looking for at that time? Or is it a completely fresh slate as far as you're concerned? And if it's a good book, yeah, it's a good book. It's a good book. Exactly. I mean, we don't want anything too similar to what we have already. Mm -hmm. So that would rule out. And I think anyone submitting to a small company would have to look very closely at what they're already publishing because mm -hmm. I'm not going to have my authors competing. In a big company, you can get away with it. Um, we might like, weirdly we have quite a lot of speculative thrillers next year and I wouldn't have thought that was particularly my um, point of interest but the books were amazing and, mm -hmm. and I guess you know once someone writes a fantastic one then the door is open um, and you're you, you find yourself looking at more we've been doing we've got a couple of historical thrillers which again that that was sort of new we hadn't really done anything like that before um, but yeah, so open to whatever, really. Um, we don't, as I said, chase trends at all. Um, and I think, you know, somebody, <laughs> I heard someone talking about one of my authors, and I won't say who it was, but they said, like, who is his market anyway? And I heard the other author say, oh, Karen just made one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I guess ultimately, that's what you have to do, right? Yeah, yeah, if there isn't an existing market, create one. <laughs> People think they need that book. So, so looking forward, what what books have as um, Orenda got coming out soon that you should uh, tell folk about? Well, there's the next episode, the next installment in the Skelf series, which I can't recommend highly enough. We just published. Have you seen? I can hold this up. Actually, I have one here. Um, the Bleeding. So oh yeah, seen it on. This is our fanciest book oh, wow. ever published. Oh, it's Embossing and Foil. Very nice. And sprayed edges, and was the was so complicated. I'm never doing it again. Um, <laughs> that's um, that's that is an incredible French author. Um, it was a number one bestseller in France. It's gothic, historical, mystery with a bit of witchcraft in there. Um, but but the kind of witchcraft that always plays out fairly, if you know what I mean. I mean that I hate books where they say. The witch did it. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. it was magic. magic just exactly. Yeah, right. yeah. No, and that the ending of that book, honestly, like the, there is not one person yet who's not gone. Oh, it, nice! You wrong foot it foots us incredibly. Um, we've got two amazing translations out in October. So that's uh, Lilia Sigurdardottir. She's Icelandic. Second book in the An Aurora Investigation series, which you know very well, Tarek. Yeah, I read um, it and it's fantastic. So I yeah, recommend that one. Exactly. And then we've got Anti Tromainen's um, The Moose Paradox, which is the second book in the Rabbit Factor trilogy. And that's being um, filmed for TV with Steve Carell. So that's like super fantastic. exciting. Very cool. Yeah. And then we have another Will Carver called Suicide Thursday, which is it's a little softer than his other ones, which can, can sometimes make you feel like you've been hit by a train. Um, he's, he still has his sort of very Chuck Palahniuk kind of um, indictment of society in there, but it's gentler and it's really moving and really funny, which is a hard combination, I think. Yeah. 
And a book that I'm super, super excited about um, is Paul Cleave. So he's a new New Zealand author. We published um, his first book for us last year called The Quiet People. We had to reprint um, like two weeks after publication. I couldn't believe it. Um, So this one's called The Painterist. And if you ever want to read a book with the most masterclass plotting, it's just, it's relentless tension. But the plotting, I mean, you're just like, I sit back and go, wow. You know, and, and we read a lot of books here. It's uh, yeah. So we've got yeah, we've got lots of. Can I tell you my cautionary tale story? Oh, oh yes, please do. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a book that we're publishing in January. So when I was um, I was at a, a festival in Penzance at the Penzance Literary Festival doing a, cl- a talk there, and a, a young woman came up to me. She was sixteen with her mom and said that she wanted to be a crime writer. So I explained to her that she should take her time you know, get, start blogging, reviewing books, or, you know, edge her way into the community, make some friends. And she sent her book in um, to us, which was not ready, really, really not ready. And yet there was some incredible writing there. I mean, like she was 16. Okay. Like mm-hmm. you're just like, wow. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm going to write a shopping list at that age. <laughs> just, it, it was just, so we said, look, you're not ready, but we will mentor you. Um, and it's going to probably take a year or so or more to get you to the stage where you can confidently write and probably not this book, probably a different one, mm-hmm. but let, let us teach you. And in the meantime, she got a deal, a two book deal with a digital publisher, quite a high profile digital publisher, I will add. Um, and she said, what should I do? And I said, don't take it. I said, you won't be edited. They will publish this book. And this is your one and only chance to be a debut. Mm-hmm. And because you can't, you can't get it again once you can change your name, but everybody knows, right? Yeah. This is it, your big chance. Well, she took it. They didn't edit it. It didn't sell. And they dropped her before the second book. Oh, man. But she came, we got a book in from her just about, Oh, just over a year ago. Um, she has an agent now. Um, and her, it's brilliant. And again, we need, it's needed some work and we've worked really hard on it with her, but it's called so pretty. And the author is called, is named Ronnie Turner. She's still only 20 or something, 21. That's amazing. And the writing is, I mean, it's, I, 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 I almost can't describe it. It's like, it's so visceral. It's, it feels tangible. The word, like the way she uses her words, really incredible. So that's a book to look out for. And I'm going to make sure everyone buys this book to make up for her experience but I think you know you you know new authors don't jump at a deal right just because just because you're desperate and it seems like a good thing at the time even with a big company you need to make sure that your book is in good hands you know somebody's going to take care of you and make sure that it's the best book that it can be somebody like Arenda Books well, I think there's lots of publishers that do what we do. Um, and it's important, you know, really important because you can, you know, ha- your career can be ended very quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you see this around, you know, you probably do this. You think, whatever happened to, and they're gone. There's, yeah. you know, there's never been another book. And that was because it wasn't good enough. Um, you know, it probably could, it would have been, you know, and how many times do you guys read books where you think, Oh God! You know this could be amazing, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. No, yeah. Definitely. 
Well, uh, with that cautionary tale, uh, that those brings it that brings us to the end of our main questions. But we always end every podcast by asking our guests the same question. Uh-oh. Uh, the, the first, <laughs> which is, uh, what was the last book that you read that you're able to tell us about? The last book that I read, um, I'm just well. The re- book I'm reading right now is a translation, <laughs> and it's by um, someone. Called, it's a Norwegian author called Helen Flood, and it's called The Lover. And I read her other one called The Therapist. And it's really good. Really, really good. Um, Really twisty. I have no idea where it's going. I do this thing. Let me just tell you about this thing I do. So I buy a load of 99p ebooks, like the competition, the bestsellers, kind of like mentally rate them. And I just want to see who who is doing it well. And a lot of them I don't even finish. This one I bought at a bargain price and it's fantastic. Nice. Cool. Um, What about the last film that you watched? Last film. What did I watch? Oh, I don't know if this was a series or a film. We just watched. Is it called The Eyes of Tammy? The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Yeah. I've not watched the Jessica Chastain one about yeah. the um, televangelist yes. woman. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I've heard good things about it. Brilliant acting. Brilliant acting. I mean, we I watch a lot of, we watch all kinds of things. Far too much crime fiction if you're going to ask the person I sit with when I watch TV. But, um, but this was, so this was an, an aberration, but really great acting. Crazy story too. Nice. Uh, and, uh, well, the, the last TV show that you watched or are watching. I watched uh, something like, oh, the, I watched The Suspect last night and I watched um, Inside Man. That's the oh. new it's so funny. Did you watch it? So it's no, got Peter no, Tennant and Stan, um, Stanley Tucci. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's so fu- It reminds me of an anti-Tremonin book. It's so <laughs> darkly funny. And then I went on Twitter afterwards to just see what everyone was saying. And everyone's saying, is it supposed to be funny? <laughs> it's just like it's a black comedy beyond compare. I would yeah. recommend it. It's good. Oh, nice. Cool. Nice. Yeah, uh, and the the very very last thing we do is a super quick fire either or. So um, obviously there's no right answer here apart from one. But we'll start off with uh, <laughs> TV or cinema. Uh, TV, because I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> night owl or early bird? Totally night owl. Uh, fancy restaurant or a takeaway? Oh, probably a takeaway. Laziness again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then the last one, uh, a real book, in inverted commas, or an e-book? A real book, I prefer, because I like to keep them. But I travel a lot. So I so the, the Kindle is great for that. So I you do. had to pick one. You had to pick one. Okay, I'll pick, I'll pick a real book. Okay, that, unfortunately, answer, the correct answer is e-book, but that's... that's oh, is it? E-book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you arbitrarily say that's, that's, the right, that's the right answer, because mainly because nobody ever picks e-book. Everyone always talks about the nice smell. Of a, of a real book which you don't get yeah an and an ebook is really and also i think it's really worth mentioning that you know everyone's on super tight budgets right now mm-hmm. with everything going on and yeah. grab those ebook bargains right nobody's gonna shame you i mean this is the go this is what they're for right yeah. totally yeah totally. and uh, and audio have you have you found that audio books are are, are taking off recently yeah definitely i mean people of you are you know suddenly thought oh my god i can do it walking in the park yeah, you know because yeah. you don't yeah. have to be plugged into anything at home like you used to i am terrible with audio all of our books are in audio but i'm terrible at listening because i use them as a get my children to sleep device 
um, when they were younger. So the minute one goes on, I tune out. <laughs> yeah. I can't focus. It's just yeah. like it was it's, me. I think with a podcast, it's easier because if you tune out and go back in, it's normally fine. But within, with, a, with a book, if you drift away for lost a page it. or something, you've lost it. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I do listen to podcasts um, quite a lot, actually, like when I'm doing housework and things like that. Mm-hmm. And as you say, you can put them on, whether they're visual or not, you can put them on in the background and, yeah. and stop easily. But if your thoughts wander, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. Well, uh, thanks very much, Karen. That that was a that was one. that was great fun. That was, that Thank was you for really having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks very much for tuning in. Uh, as usual, if you enjoyed it, please do take the time to give us a rating and review on your favourite podcast app and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Please also give us a follow on Twitter or your other social favourite social media accounts at UK page one and drop us a message if you want to get in touch. Uh, otherwise, have a great week and join us next episode for another special chat with an industry insider. Mm-hmm.